today. I've got part of the mom uniform. But you know what? I actually took a shower today, and I'm not in the pants that I slept in, and so I'm not going to put the tiara on because I don't want to mess up my hair. But listen, moms, if you don't have one of these tiaras, you need to go get one at the Dollar Tree after the service today and wear this thing proudly all day long. Well, my name is Kristen, and I just want to say happy Mother's Day to everybody. I'm so glad that you guys are here. It's such an honor for me to be able to speak this morning, and I think that um, if there was ever a holiday that's just jam-packed with so many different emotions, I think Mother's Day is the day. Whether you're experiencing today the joy of being a mom, or maybe the longing to become a mom, Maybe today you are dealing with the desperation of wanting to be reconciled to your mom, or maybe today you feel the heartache of missing your mom. Each one of those emotions, um, they're not simple or small. Each one of those emotions are huge, but I believe we serve a God that's a huge God that we can trust with whatever emotion that we are carrying around with that's tied to today. So I'm believing that God can use my words today and no matter what comes out of my mouth, that he can use something in there to encourage you today. And also, if, you, if you're still waiting on a miracle when it comes to one of those emotions that you're carrying around that's tied to today, I believe we still got, serve a God that does the miraculous too. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to um, start today with, with a story about one of my kids, and it was, it was about three years ago when I was pregnant with our last and our final son, Gray, uh, and I was at a doctor's, a routine doctor's appointment during my pregnancy, and I had taken our then six-year-old Park with me to that appointment. So we had already gotten called out of the waiting room, and we were headed back to the exam room. And those of you who have been pregnant before, you know every time you go back to that room, they make you stop at that scale and see how many millions of pounds this like 14-ounce baby has made you gain. And I figured out by the fourth pregnancy that I just would get on the scale backwards because they could make me stand on it, but they couldn't make me look at that number that was on that scale. So I'd already gotten weighed, and then the nurse handed me this little cup, and she says, do you think that you would be able to provide us a urine sample? And I always wanted to be like, do you know that I'm pregnant? Like, what pregnant lady do you know of that can't go to the bathroom? So I grabbed the cup, I take Park, it's like a single person bathroom, so I put him in the hallway, and I close the door, and I'm like, keep your back against the door. And no, you, moms, we like talk to them through the door. And so anyways, I come out, and I'm all finished, and I have this cup in my hand. And Park turns, and he looks at me with absolute horror and disgust on his face. And he yells, because they don't ever whisper the embarrassing things, do they? He yells, Oh my gosh, mom, that is so disgusting. Do they not have a toilet in there? <laughs> that pretty much sums up my life with four little boys around my house, five if you include PC over there. And just because I can, this Mother's Day, I'm going to show you a picture of all five of them. Look at them. Aren't they adorable? Yeah. I'm so blessed. I love, I love, love, love being a mom, but my goodness, is it the hardest job 
than I have ever had in my entire life from the moment they hand you this tiny little baby in the hospital and you're supposed to take it home and keep it alive. And then you've got toddlers who only wanna do everything for themselves. So we've got a two-year-old running around with pants on backwards and shoes on the wrong feet because he, he doesn't want any help getting dressed in the morning. And then, then you blink your eyes and you're managing soccer schedules and cell phones and hormones and dances and SATs. And, and I know we're going to blink again and it's going to be graduations and weddings and they're going to be having kids of their own. In addition to being the hardest job I've ever had, it's also a job that the job description, like every morning when you wake up, the job description changes. Every single day is something new and something different. So if there was ever a situation in my life that increased my prayer life, it would definitely be motherhood. And so I just want to encourage everybody in the room today to take a minute out of your day and to say thank you to those mom figures in your life, whether it's your actual mom or your stepmom, maybe it's a spiritual mom or a mentor mom or a mother-in-law, take a minute today to say thank you. And so I'm gonna lead the way in that today and I'm gonna go first. A lot of you might know my mom. She um, attends this church. She serves here every weekend. She's right there in the audience. Her name is Joanne. Listen. If you've ever had the chance, she greets first-time guests here every weekend. If you've ever had the chance to meet her, you probably left that conversation thinking, oh my gosh, I just told that woman my entire life story. <laughs> She's such a blessing to our church. Um, but you know what? She was a blessing to just me first. And so I just wanted to say thank you today. Thank you for teaching me how to do all the, the normal stuff like love long division and tie my shoes, but then all the little quirky stuff, you know, that your mom passes down to you and you start saying to your own kids. She taught me how to say things like, don't put it down, put it away. Whenever, whenever she would come into the room and we would want to put things, don't put it down, Kristen, put it away. She'd also tell us, don't ever buy anything unless you're absolutely in love with it. If you like it, put it back on the rack. You have to love it in order to buy it. She also, another one was that she would say um, to never ever give anybody a, a gift, like a bag or a purse or a book bag or anything with zippers unless you hide cash in the pockets, which makes me wonder why I don't always ask for a purse for my birthday every year, but I need to start doing that. <laughs> and last, have you ever noticed how um, kids can find like a little tiny onion on their piece of pizza, but they can't ever find their shoes. My mom would always tell us, look with your eyes and not with your mouth. And I find myself repeating to that to my kids all the time. They hate it when I say that. Look with your eyes, not with your mouth. She also taught me how to, to love people and to serve Jesus. And then against her better um, initial judgment, she let me marry Colby. So... <laughs> Thank you, Mom. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> well, if you guys are ready today, we are going to dig right in. We're going to be in the book of Exodus today. Beginning of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Um, you can open up your Bibles or your version apps to Exodus 23. And I want to encourage you to take notes today. Grab that green pen. Listen, I know you take those green pens. 
Every time I park next to a car with an Elevate sticker on the back, I look in your window and your cup holders are full of green pens. <laughs> we want you to take them though. Take those green pens. We want you to use them. We want you to leave them out in the community, wherever you are, your favorite restaurant. Sign the bill, leave the green pen. Because you never know. There might be somebody else in town who's going through something in their life and they've kind of made a pack with God and said, okay, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And they go to Cheddar's one night, they sign their bill with your Elevate green pen, and they say, okay, God, that's it. I'm gonna go to church this weekend. They walk through our doors. God meets them right where they are. They surrender their life to Jesus. And you guys, it was all because you took notes in church. So grab that green pen, write this down. The title of my message today is Inch by Inch. Inch by Inch. So we are gearing up right now to celebrate all kinds of different things. We've got the completely adorable but utterly meaningless kindergarten graduation to go to. We've got, we, in our family, we've got someone leaving elementary school, going to middle school. We've got a middle school um, son graduating, going to high school. You might have a high school or a graduate or a grad school graduate in your family. It's also wedding season. And so we're about to get a lot of wedding shower invites in the mail, invites to ceremonies. Maybe somebody in here Maybe you're getting ready to get married this spring. These huge moments in our life, these big milestone type events, they're so much fun to celebrate. Things like retirement, things like your very first job or your first car or maybe your baby's first birthday. I remember with our first son, Wade, At his first birthday, he would hardly touch his cake. I had to take blue icing and smear it on his head in order to get a good picture. But then fast forward to our fourth son who watched his first year, his first year of life. He watched his big three brothers, crazy brothers in our house. This is what happened on his first birthday. He went to town. He like destroyed the cake. We didn't even get to eat any of it. (laughs) It's so fun in our life to celebrate all these big, huge milestone events, but I think it's also easy for us to get caught up in thinking that life is just all about the milestones, just all about the big days, the days when your dreams come true, the day when you accomplish your goal. But today I'm going to show you in scripture that I think life is really more about all the constant and the consistent movement that we make in between the milestones. It's more about the movement than the moment. It's more about the process than the prize, more about our daily grind than the goals. And the more I study God's word, the more I'm convinced that our God is a God of the journey, that he knows our beginning and he knows our end, and he knows all of those big moments in between, but he's more concerned about our daily movement in between those moments. So do you remember Abraham in the Old Testament? His story is found in the book of Genesis. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it and the part where God gives Abraham the covenant. So God is making a promise with Abraham, and I'm gonna read you a couple of verses. Genesis 12, two to three says, God is telling Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. 
I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the people on earth will be blessed through you. So this was God's promise to Abraham right here. This, is, this was gonna be Abraham's big moment when Abraham became the father of many nations. But at the time that God spoke these words to Abraham and gave Abraham this promise, Abraham was 75 years old and he was completely childless. And so if I were Abraham, I would be thinking, okay, God, great. I am so glad this is gonna happen, but tell me what I've got to do. Like, give me a list, everything that I've got to do to make this promise come true. But here's the only one thing that God told Abraham to actually do. And it's in verse one. It says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God said, start moving. Leave your country and go to the land that I will show you. Like, pack up, get on your camel, and drive away. And I can imagine Abraham saying, okay, but like, give me the address. Where am I going? I need to put it in my Google Maps, right? Like, send me your location, drop a pin, do something. But no, God just said, I want you to start moving, and then I'm gonna show you. Not here, let me tell you all 10 steps to accomplish that plan, to help you accomplish the dream I've given to you, and then you can start moving. He said, I want you to start moving first, and then I'm gonna show you. God wanted to take Abraham through a process before he could give him the promise. Our God is a God of the journey. And today, no matter what your journey looks like, I believe that God is developing something on the inside of you during the process to help you reach your purpose. But just like Abraham, we've got to be willing to start moving. We've got to be willing to take that first step and to start. And so you might be thinking today, okay, well, how do I even start? Because I think we can get, get um, confused with starting big and dreaming big. And I think God tells us it's great to dream big, but he's not actually asking us to start big. He's asking us to start small. But we look around, right? And everybody else, everybody else is doing something big. Did you see what so-and-so is doing or that business that so-and-so opened? We've heard it before that comparison can kill us, right? And this morning I'm preaching to myself and I'm gonna prove it to you. I'm gonna show you a picture. I have a sister I love to pieces. She's got five kids. I love my nieces and nephews. I'm gonna show you a picture of them last Halloween. Right? Look like it's like a page ripped from Pottery Barn magazine. They are so adorable. Okay, here's my family last Halloween. Can you put those side by side in the back? Can we look at that? <laughs> you guys, this night, our family, we had so much fun. But then I got home and I saw that. Comparison can kill our joy. But you know what? It can kill even more than that when it paralyzes us. And we don't take that first step that God is calling us to take. But remember, we don't have to start big. We can dream big, but God's actually just asking us to start small. And I'm going to show it to you today in Exodus 23. So if you have your Bible and you want to open up, we're going to start in verse 20. 
God had just delivered the nation of Israel out of slavery. He had just taken them through the Red Sea and they are headed into the promised land. And as he takes them into the land, he tells them, I want you to start small. So let's look at it together. Verse 20, it says, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of all of these ites and I will wipe them out. Verse 24, do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. None of you will miscarry or be barren in your land and I will give you a full lifespan. That's a lot of good blessing. Verse 27, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year. It's been really good up until this point, right? I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. So in this passage, God, God's saying to the nation of Israel, I'm gonna go before you. I'm sending an angel on ahead of you to the place that I've prepared for you. I've got good things in store for you. I've got great purpose in mind for you. I'm not sure if you've got a church background this morning, but, but there's a verse in Jeremiah where it says that God's got great plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. God's got a great plan for each person in this room. He's got a great purpose in store for your life, but just like he had for the children of Israel. But just like those children, he, he wanted them to get to their destination, right? He wanted them to get to the milestone portion of their story. But in order for them to get there, he wanted them to start small. And so today I'm going to point out two different ways that I feel like God was calling the children of Israel to start small. Two different ways that we can start small too in our own life. Now, if I were Pastor Colby, I would give you three points, right? But I could never preach like him. And you know what? I don't, I don't even feel weird one bit saying this this morning, even though I'm married to him. Aren't you glad that we get to sit under such an amazing teacher that makes God's word relevant each week without watering it down? I leave here every single week. I leave here convicted and encouraged at the same time. I love you. And from all of us, thank you for leading us so well. Amen. Amen. Okay, back to my two points. Sorry. Two po first point. The first way that God is leading us to start small this morning is this. Obey. You probably think I was going to say something bigger, right? No. We're going to start small today. 
obey. Verse 22 says, do all that I say. How would it change our life if every day we were determined just to take one small step in obedience? And we just said, you know what, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey. I want you to write down this sentence. Obedience is the evidence of my faith. So I can say that I've got faith all day long, right? But if I don't have any obedience in my life, I don't have any evidence of that faith. I can't stand in the courtroom of my faith and give evidence of my faith if I've got no obedience. Think about it this way. And listen, there's a lot of different ways to raise our children, right? We can homeschool them. We can send them to public school, private school. We can breastfeed them. We can formula feed them. Listen, it's okay if you buy your adult weight in um, baby food pouches from Aldi. (laughs) Or you can grow your own organic vegetables and puree them. You can get them a cell phone, not get them a cell phone, buy them a car, make them get a job. There's lots of different ways. I'm going to share with you this morning one small way. This is our way. I'm not judging your way. This is just one way that God has called Colby and I to raise and to discipline this brood of boys that he has um, loaned us, entrusted to us for this period of time. Okay, so when our sons, right around their second birthday, we transition them from uh, their baby crib into a bed. And we do this all in one day. And so what we do is we have them nap in their crib, and then they're a part of the process after nap time. We take the crib apart, we pack it up, we take it out of the house like the crib is gone. And we put up a, a twin bed or a double bed. Actually, the, the bigger and the scarier the bed is, the better. So we put this bed together, it's fun. We push it into like the corner of the room so the walls are kind of protecting it. We put a bed rail up on the one side. And um, initially, we don't let our kids play in their bed, so they can't play with their toys in their bed. We don't read them books in their bed. We don't let them jump on the bed. We want them to associate their bed with sleep. Amen? <laughs> we want those kids to sleep. And so um, another part of this, thing, this process is that we don't let them get in or out of their bed by themselves. They have to yell for us, and only mom and dad can take you, put you in, and put you out of your bed. Okay, so the very first day that night, we put on our PJs, we read them the story, we sing them a song, we say their prayers, we do it in a chair, and then we walk over to this big new bed, and we spend the whole day explaining to them, we're going to put you in this bed, and you're not allowed to get out for any reason. If you need mom or dad, you have to yell for us. We will come and help you. And in the morning, when you wake up, you can't get out of your bed. You've got to yell for your mom or your dad. So this is like phase one of bed training. Phase two is when we introduce this clock called a teach me time clock. It is amazing. It works kind of like an alarm, but instead of a sound going off at a certain time, it just changes colors. It lights up. So phase two is when they stay in their bed, but they have to be quiet and they can't yell for mom and dad until the clock turns green. And then phase three is when they can tell time and get out of bed themselves. Phase four is when you have a teenager, right? And you're like dragging them out of bed in the morning. So with Gray, our two-year-old, we're smack dab in the middle of phase two, trying to teach him to wait till that clock is green. So every morning when that clock, when it turns 7.30 and the clock glows green, you hear, mommy, I need you. And it's never daddy, I need you, right? 
It's always mom. How many of you for Mother's Day, all you wanted to do was be able to sleep in? Uh, yes. All right, so the point of my story today about Grace staying in his bed, about his obedience, his obedience is evidence that he trusts what, as, as his parents, that he trusts what we say. We tell him, you're going to get in trouble if you get out of your bed on your own. And his obedience is evidence of the faith that he has in us to keep our word. Just like our obedience is evidence of the faith that we have in God to keep his word, that he has got great plans for us, that he's got a great purpose for us. And just like we, we don't want great to obey us for obedience sake. We want him to obey so that he sleeps, so that he's well rested, so that he continues to grow. God doesn't want our obedience either just for obedience sake. He wants our obedience for our faith sake so that our faith can grow. Abraham, pack up your family and go. I can't make a nation through you if I can't get you to take one small step of obedience. And it's the same with the children of Israel in our story. God wanted their obedience because he wanted their faith to continue to grow as they face the things that were to come. So every so often, Colby and I will have a conversation with someone who's come to our church. Maybe they, they have a question about one of our methods, and they'll say something like this. They'll say, that, you know, we're not deep enough. They'll say, come on, Pastor Colby. I want you to give me something deep. We call them deep sheep, right? So usually what these guys mean is that they, they want more knowledge, that they don't have any intention of doing anything with. They want, they want Colby to talk above their head so that when they leave here, they don't feel bad about changing anything in their life. Use big words to make me feel okay about my obedience actually getting smaller. But can I tell you something this morning? There is enough already written in here that if we just go ahead and do what this says, sometimes though, I think here's what we say. We say, God, give me a new revelation, right? Give me some big, deep spiritual truth. Give me a bigger platform. Give me more influence. And God is going, why don't you just love those who are hard to love? Why don't you just do what I've already told you to do? Why don't you be generous with what I've already given to you? Why don't you act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly? Why don't you stop robbing me and start tithing? Why don't you hold your tongue and not lash out in anger? Why don't you just start small with small steps of obedience? I can't give a nation to you yet, Abraham, if I can't get you to pack up your house. I need you to obey in the small things. Here's the thing, though, about starting small. It's no fun. I get it. And here's why I think it's no fun. I think it's no fun because God has called us to be inchworms in an Instagram world. God's called us to be inchworms, right? To take little steps of faith, inch by inch, step by step, in an Instagram world, in a, in a world where we just celebrate milestones. No one on Instagram is celebrating your inches. They're not, they're not liking your picture when you go to class. They like it when you graduate from college, right? Right? No one's excited for you when you set aside another $50 this month into your emergency fund. 
and it's been four months, and you now have $200, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, is this even worth it? No one's watching me, but God is watching, and God is watching those small steps that you are taking, and God is cheering you on. What about as a church? Could we take small steps together as a church too? Absolutely. We know that God has called us to love our neighbor as ourself, right? And so what, what about this summer? What about instead of when the weather's nice and you don't show up here, what if you do show up and you make it a commitment to be here every single weekend and you love your neighbor as yourself and you start to serve here? You get on a team or you serve at one of our mobile dream center weekends. God's also called us to, to bear one another's burdens, but it's hard to do that when you're not in community with the people around you, when you're not doing life with those that are near you. And so what about this summer? What about you take a small step of obedience and you get involved in a summer squad? A summer squad is our, our summer versions of our life groups and literally there's no easier, more fun, laid back way for you to meet people at our church than to get involved in a summer squad. Let's just take small steps, church, inch by inch. We're gonna start small, we're gonna obey everything that God says to us, our obedience is evidence of the faith that we have in him. And while, while we start out as infants in our faith, right, God's desire is that we would grow, that we would mature. But I think he also wants to mature something else in our life. That's our perspective. And the way that he does that is through number two, is through worship. Verse 25 says, worship the Lord your God. And I think sometimes when we talk about worship in a church setting like this, it's confusing because we automatically think of the worship songs that we just sang. But worship, worship isn't just a song. It can be expressed as a song, but it's not just a song. And no matter where you are on your faith journey today, whether or not you worship God or not, we all worship something in our lives. And the Bible's got a lot to say about where we place that worship. And it warns us to not worship false idols in the Old Testament, right? And I think sometimes we can get, um, we laugh at that imagery of the Old Testament as if to say, we're, we're so much smarter than that. We would never worship a false idol. But nothing's changed except the clothes that our idols wear. Instead of being dressed up like a golden calf today, our idols are dressed up like our job, or our significant other, or our next high, or power, or money, or even good things can become God things when they're worshiped, right? Like our family and our children. Whatever it is that we revere, we resemble, whether for ruin or restoration. So whatever you revere, whatever you worship, you will end up resembling whether for your ruin or restoration. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, it tells us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So based on this verse, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that I know God's will for your life in at least one area, and that is that you would worship him with a heart of gratitude. And that doesn't mean 
that life's not gonna still happen, right? That all the junk that gets thrown at us in life, that it's not gonna happen. It just means that I'm gonna start to see it in a different way. So if you look at that verse again, do you know what the word all in that verse actually means? It means all. It means when my child relapses again? Yes. It means when I, I have to give thanks when I lost my job, when, when the pregnancy test, when it's negative again this month, when I get that bad report for the, from the doctor. You mean I have to give thanks in all things? Yeah. It says give thanks in all things. Now what it doesn't say is to give thanks for all things. It would be stupid for us to say, God, I thank you for the cancer. I thank you for the affair. I thank you for my infertility. He's not saying give him thanks for all things. He's saying give thanks in all things. God, I thank you that in my trouble and in my heartache that you have promised me that no weapon formed against me would prosper. Now, you didn't say no weapon wouldn't be formed against me. You said no weapon formed against me would prosper. I don't understand it, God. I don't like it, but I'm gonna give you thanks in it. I know that you're with me. I know that you will comfort me. I know that you will make a way where there seems to be no way. So today, I want us to think about how our life would look different if we just took one of those small steps and we took it consistently. We said, God, I'm gonna start obeying what you've already told me to do in order to mature my faith. And not only am I gonna obey and mature my faith, but I'm gonna start to worship you with a heart of gratitude so that you can also mature my perspective. And I'm gonna do it little by little and I'm gonna do it inch by inch. Let's look back at the end of this passage that we started in this morning. Verse 29. It says, But I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate, and the wild animals too numerous for you. He's not saying he couldn't do it, right? Too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. So God's saying, I'm not gonna drive them out today. I'm not even gonna do it this week or this month. I might not even do it this year, but why not, God? Like, I want you to do it, and I want you to do it now. That sounds like so many prayers in my life. What about you? God, do it. Do it now. But God says, I can't do it now, because if I did, it would damage the land. It would damage the promise that I have in store for you. So I'm gonna leave the enemy in the land to protect it, to protect the gift for you. The enemy is gonna work the land for you while I'm doing something in you. But his promise is that little by little, inch by inch, that he is gonna drive them out. But not until when? Until we have increased enough to possess the land. Listen to me this morning. Second Corinthians tells us that the promises of God are yes and amen. He has never come up short on one of his promises. He's never lacked the ability to fulfill his purpose in your life. But sometimes, like in this passage, God says, I can't give it to you yet. You're just not ready. But as soon as you get ready, 
believe me, verse 27, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation, every problem that you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you. Have you ever seen anybody run from a bunch of hornets? God's saying, I'm gonna open doors that no man can close and I will favor you in ways that you cannot comprehend. I will do everything that I said I would do when you're ready. And so our question this morning is, when are you gonna be ready? You'll be ready when you've increased enough. And how do we do that? Well, first we obey everything that God has told us to do and we do it little by little and we do it inch by inch. We take a step today and a step tomorrow and you know, have you, ever, have you ever run into somebody who hasn't seen you or hasn't seen your family in a while and they come up to you and they're like, oh my goodness, like your kids are huge. They're so tall. They've been growing. And you're like, huh. you know, I didn't, really, I didn't really realize. When you're in the middle of it, you can't always see it. But just like your kids, when you're taking step by step and inch by inch, you you are growing too. And you, you, know, you obeyed God in, in something that he called you to do in your life that wasn't really that hard for you to do. You did it and your faith grew. And so over here, God asked you to do something a little bit scarier and a little bit bigger. And you were like, huh, okay, I'm gonna do this. I can do this, I have faith. And you did it and God came through and your faith grew. And now he's calling you to do something even bigger and even scarier and you never thought that you could believe God for that, but you're believing him for it now. And it's all because you took this first step over here. And in the beginning, maybe you could only worship God when the things in your life were going well, right? You could only have a heart of gratitude when God was answering your prayers the way you thought he should. But when he didn't come through with exactly what you wanted on exactly your timetable, you would disconnect from God. And you know, you might show up here on a weekend, but you wouldn't worship him with a heart of gratitude. Let's be honest, you were mad. You were mad at God. But now, because you've started to take little steps in your walk with God and you're starting to uh, worship him with a heart of gratitude, now you hear yourself saying things like, wow, I'm in a really rough season of my life, God. And I don't understand it, but I'm gonna thank you in it because I know you are a good God and you've got great things in store for my life. And you know what? God's watching and God's saying, they're increasing, give them more of the promise. They're increasing, give them more, give them more of the purpose. And then little by little, his promise is that he will drive out worry and he will drive out addiction and he will drive out depression and he will drive out doubt and he will drive out fear and the loneliness. And it's all because we started to take those little steps inch by inch and you see your faith and you see your worship grow. Would you guys bow your heads this morning with me as I close? Maybe you're here, you're in this room today. And as I was speaking, God laid something, something little 
something small on your heart, some small act of obedience, some small way that you can increase your worship and mature your perspective. And so today, here's my challenge to you. I want you to do it. Like you don't need to pray about it. It's God's will for your life. I want you to do it. You know, an inchworm, an inchworm has skin that can't grow with it. It has to shed its old skin in order to grow. And so today I'm praying that there are some of us in this room that would shed our old skin, that would shed our own self and that we would take a step into a deeper faith with God, that we would take a step and to learn to obey Him. And in obedience, we would also begin to worship Him with a heart of gratitude. And I'm praying today that you would realize that you can't expect this year's blessing living off of last year's obedience. But maybe, maybe today you need to take that first step in your faith and you need to trust Jesus with your salvation. And it's just so simple. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved. And so, so I'm gonna pray a prayer today and I would love to invite you to pray that prayer right alongside of me. Just say this in your heart, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I know that, that in an instant today, God, that you can make me clean and you can make me whole. I confess you as Lord. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And now I'm asking you to come into my life, God, and give me a fresh start. Father, we thank you this morning for every individual that just prayed that prayer. Your word tells us that all of heaven is celebrating with them and we're celebrating right alongside of them too. I also wanna pray for, for everybody in this room that, that wants to take a little step in their faith today. God, that we wanna obey you more, that we wanna to begin to worship you with a heart of gratitude. Would you, would you encourage us today, Jesus, with every small step that we take. It's in your name I pray, amen, amen. Can we celebrate today with all those who trusted Jesus for the first time, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.